This is the Uncovered Dish Christian Leadership Podcast. The podcast that uncovers stories, equips leaders, and changes the world. On today's Uncovered Dish, we have the privilege of speaking with two very special guests, Reverend Lizette Perez from United Methodist Church of the Rockaways and Reverend Chuck Mitchell from Dobbins Memorial United Methodist Church in Delanco, New Jersey. Thank you both for being here today. We truly appreciate Thank you. your Thank taking you. the time to come and speak with us. Um, James couldn't be here today. His little girl is in the hospital, so please keep them all in your thoughts and prayers. But today we have a guest co-host joining us. Us, Josh Kinney. He is the editorial manager at GNJ, and oh, he Josh. was happy to Great jump to be right here. in. All right. <laughs> so, thank you guys so much. So, we like our listeners to first get to know our guests a little bit better. So, would you mind if I ask each of you to share a little bit about your faith journey and how you got to where you are today? Lizette, would you like to go first? Sure. Well, I'm Lisette Perez, and I'm currently serving at the United Methodist Church of the Rockaways. I have been in ministry for 24 years, and I was ordained deacon in the old discipline order, first deacon in 1994 and elder in 1996, and I have been serving since then, first as a local pastor, then as an ordained elder in in the denomination. I have the opportunity to serve the church in so many different levels, and that's one of the things that I give thanks to God. Um, I have served in local church in urban settings, suburban setting. I have served also in the connectional church uh, as a ministry team coordinator, uh, which is the equivalent of DCM at the conference level, and also at the uh, national level and gl- global level as uh, a staff in the General Board of Ministry. So that have given me the opportunity to see the church, the, our church, the United Methodist Church, our denomination, from different perspectives and and how can we all be in mission together. And I'm very grateful to be part of this denomination because I believe that, that it has formed who I am and it has strengthened my connection with God and with humanity as well. Great. Thank you, Lizette. Chuck? I, uh, I grew up in a church. Uh, both my parents are retired pastors in the Greater New Jersey Annual Conference. Um, we started out in Millville, grew up through the whole process of being in the United Methodist Church and, and learning about God's grace and His forgiveness and His love. And I um, was actually called to ministry when I was 20 years old. I was going to college to be a teacher for uh, children who had special needs, and God called me to work, I guess, work with people in the same way, or maybe not in the same way, but I know for me, I started, I had my first church when I was 23 years old, and I've been in ministry since then. Uh, For 13 years, I was in a local church, became, you know, ordained deacon, then elder under the same old system, and then in 2006, I felt God's calling in my life to become a chaplain with um, Samaritan Hospice. And so I was a spiritual support counselor for nine years with them and then felt God's call back into the local church again. And this is where I ended up was at Dobbins. And I'm Amen. grateful. I, I've loved every moment of this uh, roller coaster ride called ministry. I really <laughs> do. Um, I love being with people outside our church. I love being with people who are um, maybe over church or under church or not churched at all. Um, I love being in relationship with them. And I feel like that's, you know, for me, that's why I returned. Because of what I experienced in hospice, a lot of people weren't connected with the church. 
and I wanted to reconnect people with the church again because I believe the church is the hope of the world. Amen. Thank you guys so much for sharing uh, that stories with us. We're going to go right into it. So why do you think that Christ-following, Bible-believing Christians are found in both progressive and conservative communities? We we have more things that are similar than there are different. I think Absolutely. I think what is different about both communities is our approach. Our approach to our faith, approach to our salvation, our approach to our communities and those around us. I think that may be why it's we have both conservative and progressive or moderates and progressives or whatever you want to label us or call us, that you have we have that opportunity to believe in our one faith, one salvation, one Jesus, but our approach to our ministries and our communities may be different. That's that's very interesting. When I hear this question, and specifically Christ following and Bible believing, human beings have been always trying to understand what does that mean? What does it mean to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ? As Christians, for centuries, uh, all Christians have been trying to find the way. Jesus said, I'm the way. But then there are so many ways of following Jesus. And because I have seen the diversity of, of that through history, for example, the Catholic Church, when it was uh, a church that came out of the primitive church, but then we had the Protestant churches that came out of that division. It was a division. And then so many denominations through through that. And and I think that that as Christian, we... We need to try to understand what does it mean to believe in God and believing in our love for God and lo- our love for humanity, taking in consideration that we are different in many ways and the diversity of that. And, and, it, and it's okay to be different. And it's, and okay. it's okay for our diver- diversity, too. Exactly. And it's okay for our approach. Because we all don't approach God the same way. And we approach God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But we don't approach him in this or God in the same way in the way we that we practice our faith yes and as as Methodists we follow the Wesleyan tradition and that help us is a good methodology for us to kind of understand how to interpret God uh, through the faith stories that are in the Bible scriptures and then through the tradition and then our own experience which adds a different perspective because everybody's completely different and then our common sense to put it all together <laughs> that's because the key, a, I think that's the key. Right? you put it together um, <laughs> and then the reason why I say this is because I think that we all conservatives and progressive and especially United Methodists who believe in this methodology to understand God um, we we agree on on, on this uh, way of, of trying to do theology together um, and I think that that's what we have to continue to do, um, because in reality, uh, we are all trying to understand scriptures, understand our tradition and understand our own stories and our reality, and our connection with God. Absolutely. Thank you. What was it like in your church preparing for and standing in the pulpit on the Sunday after the election? It was interesting because uh, the Sunday after election, the lectionary reading was Isaiah 65, 17 to 25th that talks specifically about how can the people of Israel could build a new heaven 
and a new reality, a new beginning. And I, I saw God in that reading as I was trying to preach to a congregation that was silent because some of them were very, very happy, but others were extremely scared and unhappy. And then when we tried to preach, uh, considering the words of Isaiah, that it's possible to create a space that little babies can cry and, and be fed and the old people can live longer and everybody will have a house to live in, that working is not in vain. All of those words pop out in, in the, the verses and this possibility that it's pos- it is possible to create a good space so everybody can live happily and with hope and joy and and then the fact the image that is the is used by the prophet that the wolf at the end is that the wolf can live with the lamb and i saw the opportunity there to just preach knowing that we are all christians regardless of what political perspective we all have um, and we we were called to just make sure that we continue to build the kingdom of God in that diversity. So I preached about Isaiah, and at the end, uh, it was interesting because everybody said, thank you, Pastor, we needed that, because it wasn't a time that was a lot of uh, response and violence, and we just needed to see the hope that is possible for us to build the kingdom of God. I don't know, how was your... No, I, 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 <laughs> I preached throughout Advent on Isaiah from the lectionary as well. And that idea of justice and peace, and not just talking about the personal justice and peace, but talking about how we as a community of followers of Jesus and of God, that we need to portray that to everybody else in our community. Because I know, like Lisette, I know for me, there was, it was kind of a mixed bag on Sunday morning. And so you had those who were very happy and those who were unhappy. And there were those who were feeling pretty assured that everything would go, begin to go their way. And then I had those who were not so sure about what was ahead and what was next and how were we going to handle this. So I did the same thing. I preached on Isaiah and I talked about joy, especially about how joy isn't determined by our circumstances. Mm-hmm. That joy comes in our relationship with Jesus. But I know the Sunday right after the election, I, I prayed and I, I made sure I prayed and I ask God for wisdom, I ask God for grace, and I ask God for compassion. And I, I wanted to be prophetic without being political. So I know for me, I, I challenged everybody to love one another. Amen. I and that, do. And that if we can do it here in the church, we can do it out there with the others. And I know for me, it was about also challenging them to be discerning about what they put on social media because mm-hmm. I have I have kind of a multi-generational church so I have younger f- families in there as well and who like to post on Facebook and Twitter and all that and I cautioned them I, I reminded them that what they post does affect other people it's interesting you said that because literally the day after the election I think it was on uh, my own personal Facebook, I saw this image that somebody had put on their lawn that said, um, turn off the news and love your neighbor. And I saw on my Facebook some of the most conservative and some of the most progressive people both share this message. And 
I that thought, gives me hope. Yeah, <laughs> as, as incredibly diverse as yeah. these people mm-hmm. are, and their perspectives are, are on the other sides of the spectrum, they all were unified by that. And that, yeah, it gave me hope, too, to see something like that. But you know what? Uh, for me, I think that I started to see something that I didn't notice before. Mm-hmm. We live in a democracy. When, when you have a majority and minority, like for example, if it's eighty percent and eighty to twenty percent, the eighty percent is the majority. So any decision is made based on the eighty percent. When you have seventy percent and thirty, is the same. And when you have sixty and forty, it, it begins to have um, tensions. But then it is um, it is still the sixty percent is the majority. But when you are in a community or in a, in a nation that is fifty and fifty percent, people want to pull the others to the other side and we this is something new we're not used to try to live with these kind of differences as a, as a country and I think that that's something that I discovered as I was trying to think okay why is this so violent but it's because people were pulling one side or the other I'm right I'm right this is something new that we need to kind of learn how to do as Christians and as United Methodists it's a possible to have a church where everybody can fit. Right, and live with that tension. And it's okay. It's okay to live with that tension. It's okay to know that we not, we're not going to agree on everything and that it's okay. And it depends on the issue. Exactly. When one issue is here, people switch one side to the other. Right. Because you, and I think yeah. it is, you're right. I think it's possible, but it requires God's grace to be in each of us yes. to learn how to love unconditionally. Right. And and I think for us as pastors, we get to serve in that tension exactly. because we're okay with that tension. We're Amen. comfortable with that Amen. tension. And so when we're comfortable with that tension of both sides pulling at us or wanting us to respond to their sides and we kind of just kind of stand in the middle of that and stand in that gap – it becomes contagious for a congregation. Amen. Absolutely. And so we're, we're exemplifying that grace. I, I agree. And, and I'm trying to do the same with the, the ecumenical community and the interfaith community in my own community. Because I always believe if, if people see leaders of, you know, leaders of the different congregations, the Catholic and the, the mosque and the temple, the Jewish temple, all that are getting along, yeah. our hope is that somehow, you're right, the, the leadership role is extremely important. Yeah. I want you guys to talk Especially a little bit more about that, because um, that's actually our next question. <laughs> okay. So talk, if you want to talk a little bit before that, you're talking about tension, you know, um, how does a pastor lead a church when members of the congregations are comprised of, you know, your progressives and conservatives, when you're getting pulled in the two different directions? Chuck, you start now. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a hard question. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it's a hard question, because I think you just have to be okay with yourself and be okay with where you are in relationship with everybody else um, and not choose a camp or a label. Uh, One of the things I struggle with more than anything else, I grew up um, in a very evangelical conservative household, but my parents always taught me and taught my sister and I that we're to love one another. So we're to love other people, that we're not all going to agree and that's okay. So I feel like for us, for at least for me, I need to be comfortable with both voices, and I need to have the ability to listen to both voices and not be angry or upset or frustrated or anything like that when that person doesn't agree with me. How do I – because every one of us, I at least I know for me, 
we all we all grow in our faith and develop our faith through the reading of scriptures, through our traditions, um, through the experience of what it means to be in relationship with God, but also um, through the Holy Spirit, of course, but also through, you know, what we have seen in our own lives. So for me, growing up like that, and my mom and my dad both impressing upon me that no matter who that person is, no matter where they're from, no matter what's going on in their life, whether or not they have a past or a present or whatever, you're to love them. And you love them with that same love that Jesus Christ loved you. And hospice did a good job with that for me. Because you never know what, who you're going to meet when you walk into a house. So you don't know where they're from. You don't know what orientation they have. You don't know what denomination they are. You don't know if they have a faith or not a faith. And so you get to walk into these sit- situations, these circumstances with people, and it, dying and death levels the field. It levels the playing field. And so I go back to the church, and I'm a pastor in church, and I realize that we're all the same. We all, we all have the same blood pumping through us. We all have the same heart. We all have the same mind. We all have the same God. We all have the same Lord. And we all love Jesus. And we love Jesus because Jesus first loved us. So why, why is there an issue? Well, I, I agree with you so much, um, uh, Chuck. Um, as a pastor, we have several functions, word, service, sacrament, and order. Yeah, and right, order. those four functions, I, I take them very seriously when it comes to being ministry. And and I think that we, as you said before, we, we play a very important role in trying to uh, equip the church and the laity to be connected to God and to humanity. Because at the end, that's the commandment that we have to follow. You know, love God and love your neighbor. And and uh, I I have this cover, and that pain, anxiety, depression, frustration, sadness, and all the negative feelings that we can have as people happens to every single person, regardless of their political affiliation or regardless of their color or where they're coming from. And as pastor, I think that we we play an important role to try to make sure that we reach out to all regardless of who the person is and how they they believe. And at the same time, we have a great opportunity to become bridges, to yes. make sure that those who are to the extreme uh, conservative or extreme radical um, uh, progressive somehow can meet in the center. And and if we are capable of being bridges to, to, to make sure that we encourage people to do the same, to be okay with differences and bring them together. I think that, that when we do that, um, to the person who is in the conservative, I, I try to say, well, but think about this. Be careful how, how you say right. things because you're hurting this person. And then to the person who is in the progressive, but that person is not there yet. Why are you pushing this to that? It's important is that we become bridges yeah. instead of separating yeah. and putting something in the middle of relationship. We need to somehow make sure that we motivate people to be in relationship with God and in relationship with each other. The Beatitudes... Yeah. Um, and the Sermon of the Mountain, which I, we're reflecting now in these days uh, in the lectionary, the Sermon of Jesus, you know, give us the formula to live happily and blessed, which is to pay attention to those who are oppressed, those who are sad, those who are in the other spectrum of the joy that God 
can provide and the grace of God can provide. And somehow we bring them back. And and Jesus is always was always telling the disciples uh, to reach out to everyone and to be in relationship. And that's why Jesus prayed for us before he left <laughs> and before he was arrested, because he knew there was going to be so many differences and he prayed for unity. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad that Jesus prayed for us in this generation, because that means that it is possible for us to create a church that somehow unite with each other. So somehow we can make sure that we serve everybody unconditionally. And that not that the dream, though? I mean, isn't that's I mean, that's, the dream. It, that's the dream. That's the dream church, right? Amen. That not only are we multi-generational and multi-ethnic, but we're also multi-approach. Through the cross and the resurrection, we have that opportunity to reach beyond ourselves. And so maybe that's what he was talking about, that greater part to reach beyond what we thought we were capable of doing. But I, I can only do that when I'm connected with my brother or sister in Christ who may be progressive. I can't do who it just different. with... Right, like the, like right. the story of the Good Samaritan, right. When, right. when the Pharisees ask, who is my neighbor? It's exactly the person who is completely different to you that you have to rescue because the pain of that person person is significant and it's more important to help that that Samaritan was important to to help that person regardless of the differences exactly and and when we come to judging each other and pushing other people's values down and others that's when we hurt the church when we send people to hell because of whatever when we do things like you know criticize the other that's exactly when when the church suffers because then the unity is challenged and like i said i can't i can't do church in the way that that god is leading in the holy spirit for me to do church unless i'm connected with you amen and i can't do church as different right. as we can be exactly amen. so i can't be the church wherever i go right whether it's haiti cuba the united states and camden or you know where you're serving currently i can't be the church unless i'm doing being the church with you mm-hmm. and with my other sisters and brothers in leadership no matter where they may be mm-hmm. because i'm not i i alone as a conservative i can't i can't connect with everybody it's like the song that says i need you you need me yeah Exactly. And, and that's the only way that we can exactly. do it. There's, exactly. You know, there's a part of me that needs others that are completely different yeah. because it, it become a compliment. Or exactly. Amen. Exactly. I, I just want to have a group hug. Like, this is so <laughs> nice. Like, I just feel like a group hug is in order. Group hug. <laughs> I don't know. It's just... We're going everywhere with this question. No, I love it. You guys have your own it's podcast. It's like. very inspiring. And I think it's yeah. going to be inspiring for everybody who listens to it. What are like top three things that we can tell right now leaders? This is how you can start today, right now, to work together. Um, I think for me, for the so the top three for me, I for me, it's prayer. Amen. And prayer will align me with, with God's heart. So I can't do anything unless I begin that part with prayer. And, you know, what is it? That movie Shadowlands with C.S. Lewis talks about, you know, I pray for my sake. I pray for me so that God will change me. And so that's where I have to start. I have to start with me. I have to start with who I am and my own shortcomings and stuff. We all have that. Right. And so I pray to align myself with God. But then I also have to apologize and I have to confess my own sin. 
because I know for me that I've I've done that sometime in my life, or maybe I'm still doing that in my life, or maybe I'm I'm not speaking up when I should speak up, or maybe I'm 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 shouting when I need to be quiet, and so I need to I need to confess those sins in my own life so that I can be more effective and have the ability to connect with other churches and other communities and other faiths. So that's for me. And then be open. Be open to the Holy Spirit to see where God's at work. It's not about asking God to bless what I'm doing. It's about asking God, where are you so I can join you in your work? Amen. And so I can I can establish your kingdom here on earth as it would be in heaven. And I continue to go back to that, that what is it, Revelation 6, I think it is, where everybody, every tongue, mm. every tongue is, is praising the Lamb of God. And so why can't I have that now? Why can't we do that now? But for me, it means I have to see where I've come up short and where I still need work and where we as a congregation still need to work. And that's where I feel like I have to be and move the congregation. We have to agree that that we we're living in the tension, um, and and sometimes people saying we're well, not a United Methodist Church, but we are an untied United untied yeah. Methodist yeah. Church, and yeah. but but I think that <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the, it right, Josh. <laughs> untied, untied. You switched That's the good letters, stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. and and I have seen that coming. I've heard that coming several times. You know, the untied Methodist Church. You know, my I'm afraid my that that the biggest challenge of the church is that it's divided. You know, the schism is it's, that's the biggest challenge at this point. And that means that people are not tolerating the other, you know, in, for me, you know, and they, we already have seen some churches that have separated from the from the denomination already uh, because they cannot just deal with the other, you know, and what the other is. And and I think that some of that is going to happen. And some churches are going to be divided. I mean, in one church, you, my church is a multicultural and reconciling church. And if there's a schism in, in the denomination, I don't know where people will go, you know, and, and how the church is going to be one side or the other. But um, I I think that we have to make sure that we we pray. I like that. We have to start with prayer. That's why Jesus prayed. Pray yeah. for us yeah. to be united. So prayer is extremely important because it connects us with God. Mm-hmm. And then the second one for me is to equip the church to live in tension and with diversity. Intercultural training is needed. We need to understand how different we are from each other. We cannot say that all Hispanics are the same. We cannot say that all white are the same. We cannot say that all LGBTQ people are the same. It's, it's just that, that we cannot fit in a bag or, or a label anymore because we are living in the intersectionality that some people are calling. You know, there are some people that have been oppressed for different reasons. And, 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 and it is a postmodern way of seeing uh, theology. It is a way of how can we learn from each other and understand that you do not have to think like me for me to love you. Exactly. That's and, very Wesleyan right, though. Exactly though. And and when we treat somebody that is different than us or have a different approach politically. And we love them more. Exactly. Or we can stop treating them like they're subhuman. Yeah. I mean that's what I found out. Oh you're not like me, so you, you, you no, we're all hum, we're all human. We're all been created in the image of God. Mm. And and so why am I going to treat you any different? 
Exactly. I mean, it, it's it's I don't. I, that's the thing. I don't that get is that. A, that that is I a very good that. point. I mean, we had to start from the beginning, no? Um, I also think that the church as an institution, because of, it, it is so strong in tradition, sometimes it takes time to more time to change and be transformed. Um, for example, I always say to my congregation and some friends that um, the women. Uh, were able to vote way before they were able to be in the pulpit because the movement of the society was going faster and women were able to vote right more many years before they the church allowed the women to be in the pulpit and be ordained so we are always behind the same thing with with uh, civil rights and and with african american uh, um slavery the church was way behind the 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 abolition of, of of slavery and 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 um the civil movement um was way ahead and the church was behind trying to be more inclusive when it came with trying to apply that to our denomination and is is we are always as a church as an institution i mean right behind the society yeah. it's, it's, sometimes it takes longer for us to transform the church. Now, I never even thought of that before, though. I haven't even thought about what you just said. I love what you just said about this idea that f- why are we as a church taking cues? We should be the ones paving the Going way. Ahead. Right. Yes. We should be in front and, and, and not the culture. We should be the one who's who's paving the way for the culture to learn from us. And yet we're learning from the culture and how we should be treating one another. Here's the difficult part that we have faced. We've been trying to live life separately for as long as we have been, and we've been ineffective. And that's probably why that's the that the world is le- or the culture is leading us to show us how to love people when we should have been doing this together. And then maybe we would be leading the culture on how we're supposed to love one another. And I think that this uh, this you know when we talk about moving forward, I think that is extremely important for me um, that that we also work with other traditions and other faith because we cannot transform the world if we don't try to work with other denominations and other churches and congregations and other people of faith uh, because if we impose one way of living, we will never transform the world. Well, first, we I think, here's the, here's the thing, though. Mm-hmm. I think it's we have to first learn how to live with one another. Yes, and we I, have I to, agree. we have to, and I, well, the last clergy meeting that we had with the bishop, he said that not to forget that we are in covenant with one another. Exactly. And so I think that's where we start, that we have to learn that we're in covenant with one another yeah. and that we, I we agree. made this agreement to one another that we're going to be in relationship, that we're going to love one another, that we're going to move forward in the love of Christ for love of our neighbor. Amen. So I think it starts with us. Maybe instead of looking at where we're different, we look at the things that are, we're alike, and that will push us forward yeah. to show the world how to love one another. Amen. Absolutely. And I, I thank you for sharing everything today. This has been amazing. And is there any final thoughts that you guys would like to share with church leaders? I want to ask uh, for anybody who's listening to this to, to be in prayer for each other. I really believe in the power of prayer. I really believe that peace can happen with God's intervention because when we allow God to use us, that's how prayers are our answer. 
And then from there, we develop all the training and all the things that we can do in order to hear each other and, and pay attention to each yeah, other. Thank you, and, and I And I think you said this earlier, and you said this very well, by the way. I think we just need common sense. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean that's, what it, that's what it comes down to. I mean, we need to stop, you know, being so insecure and need to feel, uh, you know. Trust each other. Trust. There you building go. Building trust. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Building trust with one another. And it's just common sense. Yes. I mean, it, it, for me, it doesn't seem that hard, but it's extremely hard for people to trust one another and to just have simple common sense that even though you may be different than me, I still love you as my sister in Christ yes. and as my colleague and that we're in covenant together to bring the kingdom of God Amen. to earth. So I think we need to just stop and stop trying to overthink it, stop and just move and act and respond. We need to drink more coffee and more desserts and more donuts together. <laughs> that's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. That's, it. that's, it. that's, that's exactly right. That's right. That's why we have a, that's yeah. why we have a round table right now, yeah, right? Yeah, it's a round table Nobody's with donuts. sitting at the head. We're all, we're all at the same table together. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, Lizette, so, so much for coming in today. And Josh, would you like to do our final question? Your first oh, we day. have a final question. <laughs> so the final question. Oh my goodness, I didn't know about the final question. Uncovered dish <laughs> staple is um, if you had to eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? You, you stop uh, first. It's it will always be pizza. <laughs> it that will has be been the trend every, last couple times. Every kind of pizza. Yeah. Except for vegetarian pizza. And I'm sorry if those who are vegan <laughs> are offended by that. But I like a lot of like pepperoni, sausage, um, bacon, meatball. It doesn't matter if it's thick crust or thin crust. I don't care if you get it from Chicago or New York City or mm. Philadelphia. I love pizza. Just as long as it's not from a chain restaurant like Pat's or Pizza Hut, and I'm sorry for anybody who may be offended by that. Um, we have this constant debate in my house. My kids like Domino's. I hate Domino's. Again, sorry about that. I like getting pizza from the individually owned places in my community. Chuck, I agree with you. So, <laughs> That's my dinner yeah. tonight, I think. Can't go wrong with that. It's always good. How about you, Lisette? You know what? I like pizza, but not more than hamburgers. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a child, I was living in Puerto Rico back then. And after church, we would always go to Burger King. That was kind of our day to go out to eat that was kind of the tradition of my family that's great after going to church that's awesome and we will go straight and we will get i i will get a, a hamburger with fries and and my brother too and and it kind of connected with me the nostalgia and associated it's with just, that it's connected to that yeah. um, and but then but then of course you know i'm a hispanic latina living in in united states for the last uh, 31 years and and some of my hispanic latinos will say but well, don't you like arroz con candules or other nice puerto rican food of course i like it but i don't know why when it comes to for me to eat my favorite food I just go to Burger King. That's neat. And of course, because I'm on a diet, I have to always take the Whopper Junior and light mayo and a side salad instead of the of the fries and a, and a small diet coke. But but hamburger is my comfort food. And you know, my daughter likes McDonald's, and it's different. But <laughs> but you know, it, it is it is a, it's, it's, it's a connection. So I we have pizza and hamburgers tonight for dinner. <laughs> Thank you guys again so very much. We appreciate your time that you took with us to you know speak with us today. 
Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. you're my friend. I know. <laughs> I know. This is wonderful. Are you tired of evangelism efforts that just don't work? Are you looking for God's lead for effective evangelism? then you need to come to Outbound. It's a one-day event sponsored by the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey's Northern Region. It's happening at Bethany Church on March 25th in Wayne, New Jersey. We have the best experts coming on flipping, weird, and fresh expressions of church. We have Greater New Jersey leaders who are doing very effective evangelism, coming to share their knowledge. We also have communications experts and video experts and social media experts all coming to offer training. This will be an opportune time to bring laity and clergy together from your church. Bring whole teams. We have so many workshops that are happening that one person won't be able to get all that your church needs. We are providing unbelievable support for this event. Childcare and interpretation into Spanish, Korean, and Portuguese. You're not going to want to miss it. The hospitality will be incredible, including a fantastic luncheon that's being provided by the United Methodist Women of Bethany Church. It's going to be awesome. Go to gnjumc.org and register today. I look forward to seeing you at Outbound. Thank you again for tuning in today's podcast. If there are any topics you'd like us to uncover or any comments for us, you can email them to podcast at gnjumc.org. We will be posting a new podcast every other Wednesday, so if you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to be up to date on the latest episodes. We'll talk to you soon.